All right, whether you are following along with a manuscript or an outline, let's all fill in the first blank together, okay? The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Certainly, the best known and most loved picture of our Lord is that of a shepherd, even though most of us have never been around sheep or shepherds. You know, some 40 years ago, a book came out with scripture verses and prayers paraphrased by uh, street kids in New York City. And the only thing I really remember from the book was the opening line from their version of the 23rd Psalm. They said, the Lord is my probation officer. <laughs> the kids couldn't relate to a shepherd, but most of us can because we somehow find the picture of a faithful shepherd watching over his sheep to be something that is very comforting. It's a reminder of God's love for us, how he cares for us, watches over us, protects us, and provides for us. We still like that imagery very, very much, as did the Jews of Jesus' day, because it was a picture that the people of Israel liked to think about when anticipating the coming of the Messiah. In uh, Isaiah 40, verses 10 and 11, we read, Behold, the Lord God will come with might, with his arm ruling for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Like a shepherd, he will lead his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. Ezekiel even quoted God as saying, Then I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them. He will feed them himself and be their shepherd. The Jews were anticipating the coming of a shepherd from the house of David who would lead, protect, and feed them. When Jesus came, he identified himself as that shepherd. First by implication, then interpretation, and finally, by implementation. Don't you like that? I know. Well, we're going to see all of that in our text for today. We begin, or will begin, in John, the 10th chapter. But before we get there, a heading in my Bible refers to what we're about to read as the parable of the sheepfold. And the King James Version does refer to this as a parable in verse 6. But the word that's used there is not the one that's used for parable in the other Gospels. The word used is better translated figure of speech or allegory. So technically, we're not going to be looking at a parable this morning. In fact, there are no parables recorded in John's Gospel. You know, as we were taught in Sunday school, a parable is what? An earthly story with a heavenly meaning, yes. Well, what we have here is simply an extended metaphor that implies some things about the true shepherd and about those who might pretend to be but are not. So let's look 
at the picture Jesus is painting here and try to get a feel for what he's implying. Then we can delve into the interpretation. Again, before we get started, it's also important to realize that what Jesus is saying here is most likely a continuation of what was being said in chapter 9. There really shouldn't be a chapter break here. Jesus is still talking to the Pharisees, and he has just declared that their sin remained because they were spiritually blind but wouldn't acknowledge it. He then says, truly, truly, or as the NIV puts it, I tell you the truth. It's a phrase recorded 25 times in John's gospel, and it's never used to introduce a new thought. It's always used to drive home a point he is making. Let's read it. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And a stranger, they simply will not follow, but will follow, will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. The picture that Jesus is painting is one of sheep that have been brought into a community fold for the night. At the close of a day in the field, if they were close to an established sheepfold, the shepherd would lead his sheep into the walled enclosure at the edge of town that several shepherds would use. The sheep would therefore be safe through the night. Then in the morning, the shepherds would return and the doorkeeper would open the door for the shepherds and they would call out their sheep by name. And the sheep would respond to the shepherd's voice and would then follow him out to the pasture for the day. It was a very intimate and trusting relationship between shepherd and his sheep. The shepherd knew his sheep and the sheep knew their shepherd. It was a beautiful picture. But sadly, there's more to the picture. Thieves and robbers were also in that picture trying to steal the sheep. Now, they couldn't just walk through the gate. The doorkeeper wouldn't let them in. But that wouldn't keep them from trying to get to the sheep. They would climb over the wall if they had the chance and carry sheep with them back over the wall. Or they would pretend to be shepherds and through deceit get through the door and call to the sheep. But the sheep would seldom follow pretenders, not if they knew their shepherd. If the voice were that of a stranger trying to imitate a shepherd, they would flee. They knew the difference. Well, that's the picture Jesus painted. And the implication is that not everyone who wants the sheep is a true shepherd. There are thieves and robbers out there trying to get to the sheep. There are false shepherds 
trying to lead sheep away from the true shepherd. But who is the true shepherd? And who are the thieves and robbers? Well, let's let Jesus interpret the allegory. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. Jesus therefore said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hireling and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, beholds the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hireling and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. And I know my own and my own know me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep, which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they shall hear my voice, and they shall become one flock with one shepherd. Jesus begins by identifying himself as the door through which the sheep enter the fold. He's the one through whom men come into the presence of God. Now, obviously, he did change the imagery a bit here by describing himself as a door, but it still fits the picture of a shepherd and his sheep. When the shepherd was not able to get his flock into a communal fold, he would fashion one for his flock out of stones or briars or perhaps even a cave, and he would then become the door to the fold by lying across the entrance while he slept, keeping the sheep safe from intruders. Jesus was simply saying he's the door that brings security eternal security to the flock of God. By comparison, he said, all who came before me are thieves and robbers. But who's he talking about? Obviously, he's not talking about the prophets who came before him. They were sent by God to tend his flock. They weren't thieves and robbers. The clue to their identity might be found in the present tense. He says, all who came before me are. Now, he doesn't spell it out, but it appears that he's talking about the Pharisees. They were the thieves and robbers who only pretended to be shepherds of the flock. They actually came to steal and kill and destroy, if not physically, at least spiritually. They had no love for the sheep. They were only after what they could gain by posing as shepherds, 
and keeping the sheep from the true shepherd. Now, when the blind man decided to follow Jesus, they kicked him out of the synagogue, if not physically, at least spiritually, by excommunicating him. They wanted to discourage others from following his lead. They didn't want them going after Jesus, even though it was evident that he was the one who could open their eyes and give them an abundant life. They wanted to keep control over the blind beggars who were imprisoned in their legalistic fold. They were like the mullahs, the cult leaders, and egotistical clergymen today. The last thing they want is for their followers to have their eyes opened and to discover the freedom available in Christ. They want absolute control over the sheep they have stolen. They live off the backs of their flock and expect their sheep to give up everything for them or the cause they champion. We read of illustrations of this constantly. It's happening. Jesus is the true shepherd. He came to bring abundant life to the flock of God. He came to set them free from sin and from religious oppression. And he was willing to lay down his life to do it. A good shepherd must be willing to do that. A good shepherd willingly risks his life for his flock. David had done that. When Saul questioned his ability to take on Goliath, he said, your servant was tending his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went out after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. What a picture of David, the little shepherd boy, the good shepherd. He risked everything to protect his flock, and a good shepherd always does that. Jesus was a good shepherd, and as a good shepherd, he was willing to face death, to even lay down his life for the sheep. A hireling wouldn't do that. He would flee. When he saw the wolf coming, he was only in, in it for the money. They weren't his sheep. He really didn't care about them. Jesus is not like that. He's the good shepherd. He cares about his sheep. He knows them, and they know him, and they trust him. His bond with his sheep is like his bond with his father. Nothing can make him abandon his sheep. He was willing to lay down his life for his sheep. Not just risk it to defend them, but to actually lay it down sacrificially on their behalf. And he says he was willing to do that for all his sheep, even those in other flocks. Now, that's an interesting phrase there. When Jesus said that, he was making it clear that he's more than just a Jewish Messiah. He's not just our God. He came to be the shepherd of all God's people. And anyone who would heed his voice and follow him 
would be included in the flock of God. That's the interpretation of the allegory. It's a contrast between Jesus and false shepherds. Jesus and Jesus alone is the good shepherd and the door through which the sheep find safety. The account, however, doesn't stop there. We've seen this truth implied and even interpreted, but it's imperative that we go beyond allegory to see how it was to be actually implemented. Let's read on. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. There arose a division again among the Jews because of these words. And many of them were saying, he has a demon and is insane. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, these are not the sayings of one demon possessed. A demon cannot open the eyes of the blind, can he? As a good shepherd, Jesus would willingly lay down his life, voluntarily and sacrificially. Not many do that. You know, thousands have voluntarily and sacrificially risked their lives for the freedom and security of others. And many lives are taken in the course of battle, and we honor those who are willing to risk it all for our benefit. But Jesus didn't just risk his life. He gave it. He had complete control over life and death. No one took his life from him. He gave it on his own authority, by his own initiative, and he did so to be able to take it up again, he said. He willingly died so he could rise again. And he did it for our sake. He wanted us to know that he and he alone has authority over life and death that he is the shepherd who can take us through the valley of the shadow of death with no fear because he's been to the other side and back again. No other shepherd can do that. No other shepherd is that good. He is truly the good shepherd. How did the Jews respond when he told them this? They were divided. Some said he was demon-possessed or insane, that no one had the authority to lay down his life and take it up again, that, that he had to be crazy. Others noted that he had just opened the eyes of a man born blind, so he couldn't be demon-possessed. They really didn't know what to do with Jesus. But we do. We do. We know he did have the authority to lay down his life and to take it up again because he did it. Jesus did what he said he would do. He died for us 
and he rose for us. He implemented the orders he had received from the Father. The good shepherd became the sacrificial lamb and our risen Savior. How are we going to respond to him? I trust we'll listen for his voice, respond to his call, and then follow him wherever he leads us. He's the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. Are you hearing his voice? Does he know your name? Do you know his voice? Do you respond when he speaks to you through his spirit or through his word? And are, will, are you willing to do whatever he asks you to do and wherever he wants you to go? We can do that as sheep of the good shepherd. Let's follow him. Amen? Amen. Let's commit ourselves to that this morning. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us.